Pastor Jonathan Swindle. Good morning. Good morning. Christ is risen. Yes, he is. I love what these boys got going up here on the front row. You guys should come see this little memorial that they have up here. Uh, you, you've probably already picked up on that today is a little bit of a unique day. Pastor Jade alluded to it. That was interesting. Did Siri just talk back to me somewhere? I think Siri just talked back to me, or Alexa, one of those. Um, but today, we are departing from our series on the Sermon on the Mount. I just, I, I don't want anyone to be let down, so I'm telling you now, we're not even really going to get to the New Testament until communion, okay? But today, we are going to walk through what I think is a really important Christian practice. It's not just a Christian practice. It's a human practice, but it's a practice that we can participate with in a Christian way. And that is the practice of remembering and reflecting and anticipating. As Pastor Jade already mentioned, and most of you already know, today is our last day in this building almost to the week five years. So we assumed the, or the, the lease was for January of 2018, but when we walked in here, y'all, we, di- we didn't even care at the time, by the way, but there was a lot of renovations that needed to take place. So for the first three months in this building, essentially four to five nights a week, and sometimes during the day, we had men and women from this congregation who showed up to tear down and rebuild walls, to paint everything from the ceiling tiles. Basically, everything you see is redone except the purple carpet and the purple chairs. We, d- we didn't choose purple. That would not have been our color of choice. But we put in a lot of work over three months, and it was about a week ago, five years ago, when we moved into this building. So almost five years to the day. And as a short exercise, I'd like you to think about the spring of 2018. And don't answer out loud, that would be chaos. But where were you at in spring of 2018? How was your family different? Kids, spouse, parents? No doubt in this room there are many people who have either been married or remarried or perhaps buried a parent, a spouse, a child. There are job changes that have taken place in the span of those five years Think about the things that you were concerned about five years ago. What were your greatest worries and fears? What about your greatest needs? Five years ago, my daughter was just a few months old. My son was not born. Probably my greatest need was a good night's sleep. (laughs) Not much has changed. I think I've just done better with less sleep, honestly. I've, I've grown. I've matured. But for you, think about what has changed. You know, to remember is a human practice. And we are shaped by our experiences. And our experiences are not just what happened to us, but our experiences include also how we remember what happened to us and the meaning that we draw from those things that happened to us. So today, I want to take a couple of minutes and remember and talk about the act of remembering, but then also the act of reflection. So if remembering is doing our best to think backwards of what happened, reflection is the act of pondering, of holding these things as Christians, this is the way that we participate with them, of holding these things into the light of God as the Holy Spirit is our guide and saying, God, what am I to make of this? How has this impacted my life? How should this 
impact my life. This, whatever this is from the past. How is this impacting my life in a negative way now that I need to receive healing from? How am I still holding on to something from the past that is dead, that is gone, and that needs to stay dead and gone? Where am I holding on to a promise that is not dead, but really feels dead? These are all part of the act of reflecting, asking these kinds of questions about our experiences from the past. And as Christians, the act of intentional remembering and reflecting helps form or shape us in the image of Jesus. Reflection is looking back to discern where God was in our experiences. So I want to ask you, before I spend just about 10 minutes talking about some of the reasons that this is so important, how often do you take time to remember and to reflect? There is an ancient Christian practice called the examine that came about in the early 1500s. And the practice of the examine is simply at the end of every day, sitting back and saying, God, where were you in my experiences today? Where were your invitations? Some that perhaps in the moment I understood, others maybe I ignored, and others I was oblivious to. Where were your blessings? Where were your warnings? Where were you inviting me into an engagement with another human being? And I may have missed it, or I may have engaged and not realized that it was you the whole time inviting me. The practice of the examine is something that was introduced in the early 1500s as a way of learning how to reflect and find God in our everyday common ordinary experiences. So today, we've taken some time, and Pastor Jade is going to follow me and take a little bit more time to reflect on some things in this facility. And then at the end, we're going to have some prayerful testimonies that are going to rehearse things that have happened in this building and thanking God and asking God for more of that in the future. But we don't do this simply for nostalgia or sentimentality. We do this to remind ourselves of two things. One, the faithfulness of God and our growth because of the faithfulness of God. That whatever the fears were, the concerns, the needs of five years ago, perhaps they are the same for some of us, but many of them will not be. Because of the faithfulness of God, we have grown. We have been brought along by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is important to remember when things are tough. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're just going to read two verses. And then we're going to flip one page and read a few more. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. So Israel here is at the end of their time wandering in the wilderness. And so God tells the people this. Remember, or God through Moses tells the people this. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, key line, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It wasn't but just a couple of days after having departed Egypt and wandering in the wilderness that the people began to murmur and complain and have these thoughts of, is it really much better here 
Maybe it would have been better just to stay slaves, to stay in Egypt. And over the course of 40 years, the people grumble and complain, and a little more grumbling and complaining. And all of a sudden, they're realizing, God delivered us from Egypt, sure, but he's abandoned us here in the wilderness. And here at the end of their time, God is saying, I was up to far more than you could have imagined, that I didn't abandon you, but what you couldn't see was that your heart was so entangled with the appetites that were formed in Egypt that only time in the wilderness allowing you to be just a little bit hungry so I could fill you with my food would purge you of those appetites. There are times in our lives when we feel we are sure, we would swear by it that God has abandoned us. And friends, it is important to remember in those moments because certainly we will find, looking backwards, that God has never abandoned us, that God is always up to more than we could imagine. Reflecting strengthens our confidence that God is always doing more in the present than we can see. Do you reflect? Do you take time to remember? Not just the good things, but remember the bad things, the hard things, the tough things, or at least the things that you thought were bad in the moment. For the sake of time, moving right along. It is also, I, I, I really want to preach this whole message, but I just don't have time, y'all. It is also important to remember when times are good. Just a few verses later, same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 14. We'll read together. They'll be up on the screen. The second warning here is, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you on this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, and we say amen, amen. then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. It's important to remember when things are tough, when things are bad. It's just as important to remember, to reflect when things are great. When you are flourishing, when it seems like everything you put your hand to flourishes and turns to gold. The warning here is be careful. Because what your heart needs in that moment is reflection and humility and gratitude. But what creeps in is the assumption that it has all come by our own gifts, talents, resourcefulness, and our own faithfulness. There's a reason that the second greatest command in all of Scripture, and I don't mean greatest, but I should have said most prominent command in all of Scripture is to remember and not forget. Behind do not be afraid. And that's another good message. And the reason is because we are prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. And the reason we are prone to wander is because we don't remember that the only reason there's space in our hearts for pride at all is because God has purged our hearts from all of the appetites in Egypt. Just a few verses before, God said, I had to allow you to wander, to be hungry so that I could fill you with my bread so that your tastes would change. And now that your tastes have changed, you're eating all this stuff and you think it's because of you. 
Friends, when things are good, we must remember. And remembering the whole journey, not just the thriving and the flourishing, but the whole journey reveals that we are not here because of our own abilities or resourcefulness. So God tells them to remember, and then he says, when this happens, don't forget that it was my faithfulness. And then a couple of books later, we come to that moment when they are on the threshold of entering into that moment when God warns them through Moses, when you get to this moment, don't forget me. Turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4. So just a minute ago, he says, look, when you are flourishing, this will be the temptation. I'm warning you now. And church, I'm I'm not going to get too preachy about this for us, but as a congregation, we're in a great season, which does not mean that every individual in this congregation is in their own great season, but communally, we are in a great place. And our warning right now is don't, don't think that it's because of our own resourcefulness and our own faithfulness. Look, What Pastor Jade said a couple of weeks ago, I do believe is true. And he said that one morning, he felt like the Lord whispered to him, I'm adding to you because I trust you. And I do think that is absolutely true. But we didn't get to this place on our own, friends. And we will not stay here on our own. So we're at this moment, envision yourself with the people of Israel here. They've just crossed the Jordan River Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place you stay tonight. So Joseph called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Note that. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So God tells them, when you come to this moment, do not forget. And then when they're on the precipice of this moment, when they are about to enter the land where they will find flourishing, God gives them a couple of ways how to not forget. Take right from the middle of the Jordan 12 stones to carry with you. Not just gather some stones from around where the event happened, but right in the middle, the place that was the most vulnerable. If you're at the middle of the river and the water's being held on both sides, that is the moment of vulnerability. Because if God's hand wavers at all, the waters come crashing in. This is the moment of greatest dependence of greatest fear and anxiety, greatest dependence on the Lord. And that is smack dab where the priests stand with the Ark of the Covenant, the embodiment of the presence 
of God. And God tells Moses to tell the people, go to that place. That place called the middle, the middle of the Jordan, the place where you are most fearful and yet he is most present. And some of you are in that space in this moment personally. Some of you are not yet on the other side, and that's okay. You don't have to be there just because communally we are there. And so the word for all of us today is don't forget what it is like in the middle and tell that story. Don't forget what it was like in the middle, both the human element of being afraid, of being wholly dependent upon God, and also never having been closer to his presence. Wherever you're at, if you're in the middle, if you're on the other side, God is near to you. God is present to you. Take time to remember, to reflect, to document. This is our version today of a memorial stone. We didn't think it would be appropriate to take ceiling tiles or (laughs) carpet tiles. We might get in trouble. But this is our version. And so Pastor Jade is going to come, and he's going to lead us in a bit of a reflection. My word to you today is, would you make this a part of your regular practice in life? I think it will help shape all of us in the image of Jesus. Pastor... I vote that he comes back and just preaches the rest of that message one of these days. Without the headset, you know, the handheld helps you preach a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? You got the headset and you get all teachy, but you put the microphone in your hand and, whoo, something else comes out. Okay, we're going to do something fun here. I believe it's going to be fun. We're going to take a little journey together. Uh, How many of you have been a part of Springs Harvest, Freedom Church, Antioch, New Life Midtown, for, let's see here, 20 years or longer. Let me just see, 20 years or longer. Look at that. Look at that. Okay, let me see, 15 years or longer. Let me see all the 15, 15. Okay, a couple of handful. I love it. My daughter's raising her hand. She's 15 years old. She's like, this all I know, man. Ride or die, Antioch, Midtown. <laughs> uh, how many of you have an Antioch tattoo? I'm just kidding. Um, 10 years or longer, let me see in the house, 10 years or longer, nice, nice, all right, five years, five years, beauty, how about uh, two years or longer, let me see all the two years, and how many of you have come with just in the past year, let me just see all the, look at that, look at that, it's beautiful, and we love you and we welcome you no matter how long you've been a part of this house You know, every family and every organization has a history, has a story, and part of that story is rooted to its journey, its life cycle, its life development, and how many of you were, five years ago, how many of you were here when we actually came and we walked through this building at our open house? Remember that? We ended service at CSCS, we drove up here, we walked through this building, and the building looked radically different than it looks right now because... I'm telling you, there are probably over a hundred people that invested hundreds of people hours into transforming this space. And if you were a part of that, let me see your hands if you helped to transform this space in any way. Yeah, man. Incredible. This man right here, Jim Bixler, 
I remember him out there in the front on scaffolding, like putting sheetrock and duct tape and mud and doing all that. I'm like, wow, that man, my father-in-law, who's there he is right there. He was in one of these kids' rooms, like, you know, almost got electrocuted because there were still live wires up there. And he was, you know, pulling things down from the top. I saw Mike Rice's hand. That wall back there, that wall didn't exist. And there was a crew of men that came under Mike's uh, contract leadership, stepped up and just, like, made that whole project happen. Where's Bob at? Bob has an arm, thank God. I'll never forget, we're back in the multi-purpose room taking down these big old pieces of mirror, and one mirror just came down and, like, split his arm wide open. And I'm like, uh, where's Chris Lockett at? Where's Chris Lockett? So we run out, we grab Chris, Chris comes in, and, man, we get Bob to the urgent care. That was a crazy night. How many of you here who helped move out of CSCS into the building Anybody help move? There wasn't really a big move. We didn't have a lot of stuff. Um, how many of you can tell me what creature was on that wall right there? The big, massive, giant creature. Yeah, a frog, like a 15-foot frog. <laughs> God, he's like, I like frogs. God, y'all, it, was, it covered that entire wall. It was, it was crazy and creepy all at the same time. Trunk or treat? How many of you guys were a part of the trunk or treat? That was a blast. VBS, how many of you guys were participating in VBS, either serving or you sent your kids? We combined with Vanguard, and we had kids going back and forth between both of these buildings for an entire week, uniting the clans and serving the kids in our community. That was pretty amazing. How about GC? Let me see my GC crew in the house. From Nerf Wars to sleepovers to... GC Ignite, uh, so many things. GC, we love you guys, and what incredible memories we've had in this space. How many of you have eaten a Thanksgiving meal here, 20s and 30s? Huh? Let me see. Okay. All right. How many of you, uh, how many of you made a friend in this building over the past five years? Dude, that's amazing. How many of you made a special friend? You know what I'm saying? Let me see. <laughs> All the special friends in the house. Hey, how many of y'all about to get married to that special friend? Let me see some hands up in here. Woo, let's go. Anybody have a wedding reception in this place? And the Youngs had their 25-year anniversary. I'll never forget seeing Ron Youngs get on his knees and watch his wife's feet on their 25-year vows renewal. It was incredible. Who's come to a new life next in this building? Yeah, I love it. I love watching the Lord set the lonely in families. How, how many of you, I'm going to get a little serious here. How many of you came back home, whether that be to God or came back home to the church in this space? Let me see this. Oh, man. Welcome home, guys. Oh, we love you. We love you. How many of you sense that God has healed you or healed your heart or healed you of church wounds in some way in this space? How many of you have sensed that God has activated gifts and revelation and dreams inside of your heart in this place? Look at that. That's special. How many of you felt like the Lord has called you in a special or a specific way in this place? How many of you have 
served in a space where maybe you weren't crazy about what you were serving in, but over the course of time, you've sensed the hand of God on your life as you've served in this space. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Speaking of serving, how many of you have cleaned this building on a Saturday morning? Or, Man, give it up for the cleaning crew, y'all. Man. I had one of the pastors up at New Life North ask me, he said, man, who cleans your building? What cleaning company do you use? I said, bro, that's like, this, this, this right here. You just rolled up your sleeves. Man, thank you guys for those of you who have cleaned this space. Israel wrote me a little note here. How many of you participated in the kids camp that was at the park right down the road? Yeah. How about uh, Sunday services in the park? How many of you guys... Man, that's fantastic. Some beautiful stuff. Guys, um, this has been a special place. And it's special because not just the building itself. I mean, the building itself, it's just a building. It's funny because in part of my reflection, I was reminded there was a season where our church actually met across the road, across from Academy. There's a building right there adjacent to Harmony Bowl And there were some special moments that happened in that building. I can point to different places all across that building. And we actually took 90 days and we devoted 90 days where we had 24-7 continuous nonstop worship and prayer for three full months. Right? And then like not too long after we moved out of the building, it turned into a pawn shop and then a pot shop. Right? And then you can sit back and go, dude, wait, wait, hold up, man. That was like the habitation of the Lord. And it's almost as if God is saying, listen, I don't inhabit buildings. I inhabit my people. Right? These places are sacred and they're special because of what God has done in and through the people in those spaces. And our prayer is that when we vacate this place, and we're going to do this today, we're going to consecrate, pray, bless, and sow this space into, I'm praying that there's another church that comes into this place at an amount that they can afford. And guys, listen, I'm, I'm, I cannot tell you enough. This place didn't look like this, y'all, right? Hours and hours and hours and hours and money and projects and creativity and hard work. And now it's a beautiful space that will be a blessing to another church. And we pray that that happens because we want that kind of kingdom mentality to survive. So what we're going to do here is we're going to invite a couple of people to come up and just share their story, share their testimony in the form of a testimony or a prayer as we continue our form of reflection. And so if you have um, been invited to do that, why don't you come up here and line up here on the front? Amber, Milan, uh, who else do we have? Tor- Thomas and Tori. Okay, Amber, you lean us off, girl. Why don't you stand right there in the middle? Hello, I'm Amber Thorne, and my husband Mike and I have been members of Midtown for seven and a half years. As I reflect on this building, I remember back to four years ago when we brought our first foster child into this building. Since then, we've brought over 20 children through these doors to be loved on by the children's ministry. Last year, we adopted three of those kids, and over the years had two bio kids as well. When we first moved into this building, I remember faithfully serving in the kids' ministry, and now as we leave this space... We have five kids who are being faithfully served by so many of you, and I thank you for that. Children's ministry has been such a blessing to our family and has helped our children grow in their walks with the Lord. One of our daughters has started to implement quiet time and has shared with us that God is speaking to her. 
He has told her that no matter what sad choices she makes, he will always love her. I can't wait to see the continued growth in all of our kids because of the foundations the kids' ministry is teaching. It is an honor to be raising kids who are receiving truth at home and having that truth be consistent in the church as well. As we move into this new building, I'm excited to watch the children's ministry grow and to see more children come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'd like to pray into the children's ministry now. Lord, thank you for allowing our children's ministry to be a safe place for all children. Thank you for allowing our family to bring over 20 kids into this church and to allow seeds to be planted in their lives. As we move to a new building, I ask that you bless the children's ministry tenfold. Grow the volunteers and bring more children into the doors of our church. Show each and every child how special and loved they are simply because you created them. Lord, would you fill our children's ministry volunteers new today and prep them for all that is to come? Bring more servers to the team and guide them as they bring the truth of who you are to all children. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. All right, we're going to go back in time here. <laughs> I started going to this church near the end of 2011. It was uh, called Freedom Church then. I left New Life, New Life Church, and it was during a time when I was going through probably the worst time of my life, and I needed a new start. Freedom provided that for me as I became a part of their home groups. I became friends with people who supported me and lifted me up in prayer, and as I went through the ugliest time, uh, as I went through the ugliest time of my life. My friends in the home groups called uh, me Double Dipper because I went to four different groups. <laughs> I needed that because I had been, uh, I needed that because I had to be surrounded, I had to surround myself with the people of God who continued to pray for me, and I thank God for them. A few years went by, and we became Antioch Church. And slowly but surely, things started changing in my situation. There were also changes in the church. People came and went, and my relationships with my friends in church became stronger, and the Lord was always faithful and consistent. Amen. When we were still called Freedom Church, a sister in the church told me that she had a dream about me walking towards New Life Church. I thought it meant that I was walking into a new life. Then a few years after we had moved into the new building, I get the news that we're going to be a part of New Life Church. I wasn't so sure about the merge, but God knows what he's doing because I know, I now know, had we not become a part of New Life Church, the blessing that God has prepared for the congregation with the new move would not have taken place. Thank you, Pastor Jade and Christy, for being led by the Spirit and praises to God who goes above and beyond what we can ask or think. Amen. Praise God. My testimony is pretty much about how youth group has really just changed and shaped my life. Growing up, I didn't really have like a place besides home where I felt super secure in who I was and I felt I couldn't be myself. But over the past couple years, GC has really become a place where I can just be who I want to be and I won't feel any judgment. 
Um, I'll walk in every Wednesday and I'll see Mr. Christian with a big smile on his face or Miss Nicole will come up and be like, hey, how's your week been? And I just really want to say thank you to the leaders who come every Wednesday and serve so faithfully. Um, my life wouldn't be the same without you guys. So I just really want to lift up a quick prayer to that. Um, dear Lord, thank you just so much for the community that we have at New Life Midtown. God, thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ who have continually shaped me and others into what you have called us to be. Lord, you have been so present in GC through the Wednesday night get-togethers, to the fun events we have as a youth community, to the countless encounters that we have had from you on Wednesday nights at Desperation Conferences and at GC Ignite. From what was a youth group of 10, you have grown and expanded us into a community of about 50 that is hungry and dependent on God. I know that I don't only speak for myself when I say that GC hasn't just been a youth group, but a family that makes others feel safe, seen, heard, wanted, and free. God, thank you for your amazing youth leaders that show up and faithfully minister to Midtown's youth with pure hearts and clean spirits. It is safe to say that our community would not be the same without the dedicated leaders that come every week. Thank you for the designated places such as Desperation Conferences and GC Ignite, where we have time to strengthen our community and undistracted time from you to encounter us, Lord. Lord, I'm so excited to see how you will use GC and the people in it to do amazing things in your name. Lord, give us wisdom as we expand our youth and welcome new faces to the table. Thank you again for your goodness towards GC and your faithfulness to the church. Um, Lord, just thank you so much for, we're just ready and we are very excited for this new season you are calling us into because we know it's your will and your will is good. Amen. Amen. Okay, and the old hat here, I can I can one up uh, Thomas. I, I have you know things here about GC. So um, my family came to Colorado Springs. I actually grew up in Colorado Springs. We came back in 2003, and my wife asked me as we were getting ready to move. She said, "Who in town do you know that you want to reconnect with?" And I thought, and I thought there was one guy in town. And when we got invited to Springs Harvest at that time, we went in on a Wednesday night. I was signing my kids into the, to the children's church, first night there. Over my shoulder, I hear, is that Tori Ebel? The one person is standing behind me in this church. And it said, God saying, I see you, I know you. You're in the right place. We went through a, a covenant call class. We learned our identity as disciples in Christ. We were sent out as a part of a church plant with one of the staff pastors. We learned our identity as leaders. We did some things around, and at one point God said, it's time to, to move on. And we're like, where? Well, let's check out Antioch now. I wasn't even there. I was telling our elders, we're leaving the church, we're moving somewhere. Didn't know where. June and the kids over at CSCS, they're sitting in the back row. Pastor Jade steps up on stage. He says, did I see the e-bells? My kids and my wife received that same exact word from the Lord. I see you. I know you. You're in the right place. We came back to this church. We went and we talked to David Galvan at GC. We said, here's our kids. We got you know, some situations with our kids. They're not, you know, easy. David's like, 
We're looking for the kids that are in the margins. They accepted those kids with open arms, brought them into that group of 10, and just nurtured them, helped them to, to develop their identity. Over the years, you know, I got hooked up with the men's group, started to develop friendships, people, people speaking into my life. At one point, I was going through a real dark time in my soul. One of the men in this church sat with me every Saturday, spoke identity into me, even as I spoke identity into him. Being a part of the worship team, I've played bass since I was 16 years old. It wasn't until I was in this house that I really started to up my game and really play the instrument because I was encouraged in my identity as a musician by Jonathan and again by Seth. This is a house of identity. It's amazing. I just want to close on, on this Wednesday morning at men's prayer. John Collicott was leading the group that morning. And he starts us out in Isaiah 60. And he read two verses, and then he moved on to a psalm, and we never came back. And I was like, why, why did you even go there, John? We, we, we didn't even touch that stuff. But I was stuck right there for the whole morning. Let me read those verses to you. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will seen upon you. And I just heard God speaking to this body. He said, over the last 35 years, I've been developing an identity in this church. And I've been cutting it like a jeweler cuts a diamond. Just trimming off the little pieces here and there, refining it, refining it, polishing, making it into a spectacular jewel. And for 35 years, it's been hidden. When it said here, for your light has come, I usually, I've, I've seen that verse as, you know, Jesus has come and shown the light on your path and you can go on your way. But this is imperative. He's saying, you shine, you arise. Your light has come. We've been in the, in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus Say, so you are the light of the world. He gave us that light, but it is us. And he's telling us, shine, your time has come. It's time to take that basket off of the light and let the light shine. Friends, we recognize that, I mean, this is just four. And there's a lot of people in this room that could have shared your story, and we ask and encourage you to keep sharing your story. Think about your story, reflect on the goodness and the faithfulness of God in your life, and whether it's at a kindred event, at a men's prayer, a men's breakfast, a table group, youth ministry, man, share the good work of the Lord that has taken place in your life. So I got a little inspired. I wrote a little something myself I'm going to share with you guys. Moving day. Five years ago, Dr. Dorenzo, the superintendent of CSCS, preached the message for our final service in that building. After eight years of coming early and staying late to set up and tear down, we were finally coming to a space 
that had a semblance of permanency. Sure, it wasn't ours, but it would afford us a reprieve from the extra work of transforming a school into a house of worship for a few hours. And we had access to it all day, every day. Service ended, and like we always did and always do, we rolled up our sleeves and we packed the few belongings we had, and we transported them over to the corner of Austin Bluffs and Academy. Here we were again. Christie's and my journey started on this very corner 14 years prior. Lord, what are you up to? We moved the final load in, we locked the doors, and I stayed outside with a few friends in the parking lot dreaming, always dreaming. What would happen in this space? What kind of kingdom work and God activity would happen here over the next five years? How would God continue to awaken, equip, and send this little company of believers to be his faithful presence in the world? How would we learn to extend radical hospitality to our neighbors, both near and far? How would we stoke a hunger and passion for God through worship and prayer in this place? How would God set the lonely into families, into this family, in this place? And who would he add to us? And by way of their invaluable presence and participation, leave us never the same. And so here I am five years later, on the eve of another move, trying to slow down, to practice a rhythm that I was too young or too busy or too eager or simply too unaware to practice five years ago. I'm not just dreaming of what's ahead. I'm slowly rereading the pages of God's story in this place and with this people. And I'm overwhelmed. Not with sorrow, not with grief, but with a deep gratitude of God's steady and faithful work. How good is he? How many times have I paced the aisles and room, uh, rows of this room here crying out for you to come? sitting in the pre-K room in silence and solitude, waiting on the presence of the Lord. I remember standing right there on my way out of the door when Andrew Arndt asked if Antioch would ever consider joining the New Life family. And I can recall standing at the entrance of the kitchen when Christy said emphatically, heck no. (laughs) And 12 months later, we set out 16 chairs in a semicircle in this space right in front of the stage with our elders, our staff, and Pastor Brady, Daniel, and Glenn. We met for two and a half hours, and we discerned that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to join the greater New Life family. New Life Midtown was born on the very ground that had been paved and paced in prayer. I remember sitting here on this stage right here, the Saturday night before our first canceled service due to what would become a global pandemic. Frightened and frustrated, it took me four hours to put together a crude 10-minute video for service the next day. I came home at midnight, utterly defeated. And for the next three months, this little empty space would become a makeshift recording studio. How I longed to gather together again with the saints. To see their faces. To hear your voices. To be together. 
And so, Lord, I don't have the words or the time to adequately convey the enormous sense of gratitude in my soul for your faithful work in this family the past five years. And until I find the ability to do that justice, I shall simply attempt to hold as many of these moments in open hands of worship and wonder. Cutting a folding table in half with Todd's table saw, trying to transform a utility room into an office during COVID. Yes, I cut a table in half. Getting cheated out of our chili cook-off two years in a row by the entire Johnson family voting for their mom and Cedron's elk. I mean, seriously, like who can compete with either of those? (laughs) Baptizing my baby girl and her best friend right there in that corner. Running up and down this parking lot like a madman when we grossly underestimated how many people needed a little bit of joy and a lot of candy during our COVID trunk or treat. God, it was like 700 cars up in this place watching hundreds of kids shuffle back and forth across this parking lot to, during our joint VBS outreaches, taking our entire service to pray for the people of Ukraine, to pray for our enemies, to pray over tragedies, both national and some just blocks away, training mission teams in this room, turning this room into a mini ropes course for a day. But most importantly, simply learning to love God and love people well to love with heart, to love with authenticity, to love with passion. So God, thank you for all you've done and all you're about to do. And if I know you in so many ways, we're just getting started. Amen. Amen. can Can I just exhort you for like three to five minutes before we come to the table? Jonathan activated something in me. I just want to drop a word in your lap along these lines of reflection I want to remind you that we serve a God who's on the move. I said we serve a God who is moving. He's dynamic. He's an active God. He's a God who is at work. Psalm 84, verse 4 and 5, we find, these, we find this interesting dynamic here. Verse 4 says this. It says, blessed are those who dwell in your house for they're always praising you. But then verse 5 says this. It says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, wait a minute. Verse 4, you says, Blessed are those who dwell. But then verse 5, you said, Blessed are those who are on pilgrimage. And there's this, there's this funny dynamic in God where we're always both rooted and we're running at the same time. Like, I'm rooted in who you are, and I'm rooted in what you've done, and I'm rooted in who I am, but God, I'm running after you because you are God who's on the move. Like, I read this quote from a leadership book a couple of weeks ago that said that today's problems were once yesterday's solutions. And if you look throughout the history, church history, if you look at denominations, Most denominations started as an answer to a previous problem, but then they got stuck. They didn't keep moving with God. Reminds me in the Old Testament when God called the people of Israel, like Jonathan did so well, reminding us today, God led them by a pillar of fire, and he led them by a cloud, and it was always moving. 
Like, we are a people who follow the cloud. And again, we are both a tabernacle people and a temple people all at the same time. Like, we can't ever get so comfortable in the same place, in the same building, in the same iteration of God's work that we just stay there and we get stuck because God's moving. Culture's changing, culture's shifting, new people are coming in, new wineskins. You can't put new wine into old wineskins. So we're a temple that hosts the power and the presence of God, but we're a tabernacle that says, God, wherever you go, we're going to go with you. We got to change things up. We got to adapt. We got to be flexible. We got to keep the wineskin of our lives and our hearts tender because God's always looking to pour out fresh wine. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God calls a man by the name of Abram and he says this He says, Go from your country, go from your people, go from your father's household to the land that I will show you. And I will make you. God is always making us to the degree that we're walking with him. He can't make us if we're standing still when he's moving forward. But if you will follow me, I will make you into something. And our conviction in this house is that we're going to be a people that always follow God. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's scary, even when it's sacrificial, even when we have to surrender something, even when it's sad, even when it's sorrowful, we're going to be a people that follow you. My hope isn't in a permanent building. My hope is in the God who supersedes buildings. My hope is in the God who transforms human vessels and makes them the habitation of the presence of God himself. That's where my hope is at. My hope is in the God who blesses faithfulness. Abram, come, I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to bless you. And I'm not blessing you so that you can just sit down and have a nice, sweet, sweet cute, beautiful building. And yeah, I'm blessing you so that you can go into places with the very blessing that I've given to you. And then God carries this same way of operating when Jesus rolls up on the scene in Matthew chapter 4, right? Jesus rolls up. People don't know who he is. And he starts handpicking people. And he says, you, follow me. You, follow me. You, follow me. You, follow me. Master, I follow you anywhere you go. Sweet. Listen, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay down his head. I'm on the move. I'm not into comfort. I'm not into just settling things down. I'm not into the status quo. I'm on the move. 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 We serve a God who's on the move. Jesus resurrects from the dead. The disciples are kind of hunkered down in a building. They're hunkered down in a nice safe space. And he rolls right up into the middle of that place. And he says, what are you guys doing here? Peace. Peace. Don't be afraid. Peace. Remember what I've done. Peace. It's time to go. It's time to go. Acts chapter 1, verse 11, the disciples are sitting there. Jesus has just ascended up into the heavens, and all the disciples are huddled together again. They're looking up, and the angels go, what are you guys doing? It's time to go. The Son of Man who just left, he's coming back the same way. And until he comes back, it's time to go. He's on the move. Move with him. Move with him. Church, stand with me to your feet this morning. I thank God that he's a God who's dynamic. He's moving. He's active. 
And one of the beautiful things about remembering, and Jonathan, you can come on up here. One of the beautiful things about reflecting on the work and on the activity of God is that it makes us selfless. Come on up here, uh, altar team. It makes us selfless. And what do I mean by that? I mean this. The work that God did in your life to save you and heal you and deliver you and free you and set you into family, he wants to do through you for other people that are in the streets of our city. And for us just to hold on to that and say, God, I just want to keep this place small and I just want to keep this place safe, that right there is a violation of remembrance. We forget because what God did in your life, he wants to do in the life of your neighbor and your stranger and your foreigner and your enemy. He wants to do in the lives of people. He loves them. And he wants this to be an open house and an open table. No matter how uncomfortable or messy that gets. Amen. So we're going to remember the Lord. We're going to come to the table. Jonathan's going to lead us in the bread. I'm going to take us to the cup. We're going to remember God together. We're going to look to the future. And then we're going to pray over this space. And then we're going to move. Remember, I'm teaching, you're preaching. That might. <clears throat> <laughs> I had to. Hey, it's all good. Every time we come forward to this table, multiple things are happening. One is we are always looking back. We are always remembering that everything that we do only makes any sense at all because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we don't just stay there. That this meal, even on the night on Maundy Thursday, when Jesus had this last supper, with his disciples. He's calling them to remember back to the Passover, but he's also telling them to look forward because this is before his death or resurrection have, have, haven't even happened yet. Every time we come and we receive this meal, we look back and we look ahead. We look back and we look ahead. So my one word of encouragement, my final word of encouragement to you today is whether you're in a tough season or whether you're in a great season, it all pales to the glory that will be revealed That's right. in us when we see Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yes. All right, let's come to the table. Y'all exit out the left side of your rows, come forward, receive the bread, receive the cup, and go back into your rows, and we will, re- we will partake together.